We are here again for another episode of the Disruptive Voices of the Pacific. Today I have a regular, you're becoming a regular, Pastor Moses. I think this is your third time, so you've beaten anyone, but welcome. Oh, thank you, Letitia. It's always a pleasure to be here. And today we're having a discussion. In the last week, uh, we have released a book, The Disruptive Voices of Pacific Men. Uh, you have a chapter in there, the last chapter on what it means to be a kingdom man. Uh, this book um, was actually really hard for me to put together. <laughs> uh, the women's book that came together in about six months, this one took two years. Um, because men don't speak and I fully understand that and I was willing to be patient although I nearly gave up in the end but um, it, it's a really big thing for men to come out and speak especially if they've been abused if they're addicted to porn if they were a perpetrator themselves um, but we, we want to change that because being vulnerable is not weak is it no it's not it's the total opposite but I feel that men in the Pacific have this uh, double demeanor, one they protect, which is the one they project to the world of who they want the world to think they are, and there's this closet facade or personality that they hide and wish that these things are never uncovered. But the danger is about that is you've got to keep juggling the hats that you wear, and somewhere along the line, you forget which one to wear and it gets, it gets exposed. And that exposure, because it's sudden, all of, uh, will cause them to fall from their lofty heights that they place themselves upon. And that crash is quite hard to recover from because now, in their minds, this is something that they've created in their minds, that they will never be accepted again as strong. So for them, being vulnerable is this fall from grace hitting the ground and exposing the real person. What they don't realize is that exposure is the vulnerability that gets you to build a new, a fresh start that helps you change the trajectory of your life. And you tell people that it's not me, it's the grace of God that has enabled me to be who I am today. So for me, that is the vulnerability that, that, that men need now. It's not saving face because you've got a personality that's hidden, but being the same person everywhere you go, just one hat. You're the same person at home. You're the same person from the pulpit. You're the same person in the marketplace. Not having multi-personality. In fact, if you're a multi-personality person, that's a mental health issue right there that needs to be medicated or attended to. That's it. So I, um, it actually, this book, it shocked me because I realised there are a lot more men who have been abused than what we realised because so much focus is put on the women and the girls and, and that's a huge issue itself. But I've realised that men, a lot of these men in the book, they're abused as little boys, um, whether it was the school janitor, uh, a family member that was coming over to stay, um, and then quite often these men then grow up to abuse women and children. And so Fiji needs to be healed. There's a generation of, of men and women walking around with so much pain. And just yesterday came out um, that a, a Fijian man uh, living in the States stabbed his Fijian woman, who I went to ACS with, so I knew this woman. Uh, he just stabbed her. And again, you know, we, we come out and we condemn violence against women, which we should. But I thought, I wonder what's going on in his life. And it's usually 
the um, manifestation of a vicious cycle buried beneath the veneer that you're okay. And so um, a vicious cycle of abuse will always produce further abuse because you've never had the opportunity to heal or to speak out. And one of the processes of healing is speaking out that this is my problem. In, in, in our culture, that kind of a speaking out is weakness. Why? Because you're going to expose your family, your family heritage, the, the, the name that's there. And so you try and keep it hidden as, as long as you can. But what you don't realize, you are then duplicating this thing generationally because people forget that we are spirit beings. What you do in the dark, and if you think it's going to only affect you and nobody else, you've just created a spiritual pathway that reaches down to generations. And it's cultivated that way. What men should come to understand is that you're not saving face when you're quiet. You're actually perpetuating the atrocities that will affect your sons and your sons' sons. When you're long gone, they are still duplicating your efforts because you never confronted it, corrected it, and destroyed it. And when we don't do that, it gets multiplied. And when you look back into your life, if you're suffering from alcoholism today, trace your forefathers. They never won the battle against the alcohol anyway. And you are just facilitating the, 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 the vicious cycle and its continuance. But if you decide today, I'm going to stop this today. I'm going to be bold enough, have the balls, so to speak, to get up and speak and say, this is what I'm struggling with. But today I've decided. And, and thank you for, for being the disruptor, putting that wedge because we're all headed down in a certain uh, direction. And without that wedge, there's no awakening to the fact that, yeah, this is wrong. This is not right. We've got to talk about this. We've got to have open discussions and, and come away from the spiritual aspect of always wanting to sound spiritual. Come on, guys. We are body, soul, and spirit. We've got to address all three components to be holistic whether it's the physical aspect, the social, emotional, will aspect of things, and then there's the spiritual. But we, we get so spiritually lopsided, we forget that there are soulish areas that need to be addressed. And, and I feel that's what, we start, uh, that, that's what the disruptive men um, of the Pacific book is all about. Getting you to realize it's okay. Speak up. Absolutely, it is okay, and I again just acknowledge the men who have lended their stories. We have changed their names because um, we're still not quite ready to show our face, some are, but um, it's still a journey. I mean, I really blame the church <laughs> for, for a lot of things because we've set up a, a, just an unhealthy system where, the, and especially the most men, most pastors are male in this nation, and I hear a lot of them preach and they look like they've got their life together and uh, it's a lot of religious stuff and they're condemning and I mean I grew up listening to my dad preach a lot and most Sundays he was sharing his own shortcomings, our family's shortcomings. Uh, thank you dad if you're listening. Now I return the favour when I preach, I share my parents' issues. Um, but I just don't hear enough honesty from the pulpit. 
Um, it's just all preach, 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 scriptures, do this, do this, and no one's actually being vulnerable. How can the church actually break that down? You know, that's, that's the, the, the exact definition of religion. And I like to uh, give you the definition from the Latin. It's, it's a Latin verb and it comes from the word religare, R-E-L-I-G-A-R-E. And you know the definition is to tie back, to hold back, to thwart from forward progress, to bind. So a system of control based in unchallenged dogmatic belief which holds back the progress of consciousness. That's religion. That's the definition of religion. When we don't talk about things that liberate because we think that it's going to make us look bad in the process. It shouldn't come from the... But what we should realize that we are here to liberate human beings. And we need to talk about these things. But someone has taught us along the way that it shouldn't be. And that's what religion is. It's the holding back of the progress of humanity from slavery into freedom. And I feel you're right. Both of us are pastors, theologically trained, and we know what we're talking about. And we want to encourage everybody because the pastors, pastors themselves, with all due respect, we've got to be honest about this. We don't talk about it often. We spiritualize things and we expect people to decipher what we're saying and break them down. No, our role is to break them down and make them very clear. General MacArthur said, don't give an instruction that can be understood. Give an instruction that cannot be misunderstood. So that's our role. Yeah, I was just sharing with you before, Fiji needs to heal. And healing only comes where there is honesty. Uh, if, if you have cancer... Um, you want to know honestly what you've got, then you know how to shine it. And so I think part of this book is just saying, can we get honest? Um, you know, I mean, we need, we need it in the West, but particularly over here where it's, it's a shame-based culture. Can we get honest? Can we be real? Um, you, you struggled with something called imposter syndrome growing up, and I think many men do, and it's another big reason why they don't share. Just tell us a bit about that. Yes, imposter syndrome was my biggest challenge because in my mind I never um, had a degree. I left school, started work to help my siblings get their degrees and their masters and they've thrived in life but I never got on to pursue mine. And so whenever I was asked to do something or challenged to do something, the first thing that cropped up in my mind was you're not good enough. You're not educated enough. You're not academic enough. Until someone disrupted that thinking. And, and I think that's why we, we're thankful uh, for people like you who disrupt. Because we get to think through things and say, oh yeah, you're right. I don't need to be this particular person to, be th to do what I need to do. All I got to do is get up, dust yourself off and, and get it done. And that's uh, Dr. Miles Monroe, who said, hey, you've got a purpose, and that purpose doesn't need a degree to be uh, exposed. Well, I'm not, I'm not saying that education is bad. Oh, I would encourage you to be educated. But there's many forms of education, informal, formal education. We're always learning every day, be a perpetual learner in the process. And that's how I got to uh, realize, hey, I can learn from other people. So I was never shy, Leticia, to ask someone who knew more than me, hey, can you teach me this? I need to know more about this. 
But when you keep silent and allow the imposter syndrome to continually dictate the way you live, you're headed for disaster. And so that's why speaking up, like you said, is the healing. For me, the healing for imposter syndrome was speaking out. I don't know this. Can you help me? Being honest about it. And when he asked me, uh, well, Dr. Miles Monroe, when he said, do you know your purpose? I realized I got to be honest because I could have pretended. See, imposter syndrome makes you pretend more. And I think that's what perpetrators face as well. They're, they're the imposter voices that you got to be framed as something else that you're not, you don't ask for help. And so when I said, I don't know, he says, okay, thank you for being honest. Here's how we start. What are you passionate about? And so we went down that track. If we don't speak out about the weaknesses that we face, or if we don't challenge the weaknesses that we have, we will never be healed. Like you said, uh, if, if we know we have cancer and we try to say faith means I won't confess I have cancer, I won't tell the doctors I have cancer, how is that good? You've got to accept the fact that you have it, yes, and then you pray about it, and then you see a doctor about it. These are all um, the convergence of how God answers prayers, not just one avenue. And for me, that imposter syndrome was dealt with when I honestly surrendered and said, I need help, and here's what I need help in. And, and not just give it half-heartedly, okay, uh, Leticia, and I give you just a third of what I'm struggling with. Give it all. Put it on the altar and say, this is what I'm struggling with. Help me. That's when help comes. I mean, it, it, like you said, it, it manifests out. As long as we cover stuff, it'll always manifest. Um, whether it's through stabbing our wife, alcoholism, uh, infidelity, it, it comes out. These are all fruits of uh, inward <laughs> um, death, I guess. Um, and so, yeah, just as we finish, how can we... Where, where do men, you know, who may have been abused as little boys and have just been hiding it, covering up, we're not going to tell anyone, where, where do they go? You know, in their 20s or 30s, they're like, I need help because my life is falling apart. Where can you get help in Fiji? That's a tough one because we've all, all been caught in this cycle of pretending. Or spiritualizing. So you come to me with your problem and I spiritualize it and not give you the practical steps. But we've got this Love Suva Foundation. That's um, the, the pastors that, that are there, I know, are very real and very practical. So, um, you know, you got to reach out to, to them. I'm not going to put them out there without their consent, but there's Pastor Tiko Tongnivalu, there's Pastor Ben Morrison, there's Pastor Dan, um, Daniel Woods. Uh, there's uh, Wilfred Rengu, and uh, there's uh, Jared Sinula. There's uh, these, these young pastors who, um, who who can sit and listen, and 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 take you at face value and not judge you uh, prematurely. And and I know that uh, we have this um, this experience by the grace of God to listen actively and give you solutions that are practical. It may not be what you want to hear, but you're going to hear it anyway because we find that this is what's going to get you out of that rut. So that's, that's, that's what I, I, I know right now. With all due respect to the other generations, they, 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 I haven't encountered them as practical as, as now. So, uh, but if you're comfortable going to your pastor, and your pastor, I may not know him, but you know him and he's very practical and he's, he's got an active 
ear that listens to help, then go to your pastors. Uh, that's the first, first place that you, 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 you make a call to. Yeah. Or even a counsellor, because I think, um, unfortunately, a lot of our churches aren't equipped to deal with high-level trauma and <laughs> childhood abuse and porn addictions. These are things you don't just pray away. Um, so there are good counsellors. Lifeline, uh, Jerry's a good friend of mine who leads Lifeline, and um, he says they deal with a lot of men through yeah, their helpline. Well. forgot to mention um, a female sister, uh, Liliana Warid. She She's involved heavily in these sort of things. These are people that you can call um, when you need. And I, I know it can be overwhelming, but we can structure uh, some sort of uh, a workshop or seminar where we can gather you all under one roof and, and help talk about these issues. Yeah, I think that's a challenge moving forward is to have resources and options. Different things work for different people too. Uh, I want to say too, the Catholic Church, Caritas, they, have, um, they do help groups for perpetrators. So that's the only group I've heard that actually do help the perpetrators. I'm sure there's more, but um, we'll keep working on that. So, yeah, just as we end, what would you like to say to men out there who are listening, who uh, are living in the silence and, um, you know, battling demons because they were abused years ago or they currently know they're an abuser or they're struggling with porn? What would you like to encourage them with? If you know you're struggling and you see the signs and you know that this is affecting you, reach out to someone, talk to someone. Because the longer you keep it in, that's the more you develop that mental health issue. But there are some men who don't know. They think what they're doing is right. You know, I want to I speak to you specifically that if you're a violent person against women and giving the excuse that this is who I am, that's not who you are. You're not created to be that. You're created to be a blessing generationally, not, not to be uh, a perpetrator of, uh, of, of curses. Reach out to someone and, and, and talk to someone, whether it is your counsellor, your pastor, or even a friend that can point you in the right direction to get out of that situation, do so, but speak out, because no one will know you're, you're, you're going through stuff until a crime is committed or violence is perpetrated. So uh, to you men out there, it's, it's not weakness to be vulnerable, it is strength, I'm telling you. It is the, I think the strongest men are the men who can accept that they have weaknesses, and we do all have weaknesses. No one is perfect. Even the person standing on the pulpit that looks like a saint on a Sunday has weaknesses, and so we shouldn't lie about it. We can help one another, you know, because no man is an island. We are social beings, and you don't shut yourself up in, a, in an ivory tower and expect to heal, come out, reach out. I think we can do this together by just being honest in the first place. Well, thank you once again, Pastor Moses. You are always a source of uh, inspiration, great leader in the nation. Thank you for all that you do. I see your suffering. I see the pain beneath that bowl of smile. Come out from hiding. The sun is rising Let the islands hear reason Let